Welcome to Tea and the Law of Raspberry Jam with Esther Derby and myself, Victor Sesson. It's nice to see you again, Victor. We took some time off over the holidays, so it's nice to see you. Yeah, we're starting season two. <laughs> Woohoo! This is going to be episode 12. So this episode is a little different from many of our episodes because we did it just on the spur of the moment in response to what we talked about when we checked in for our pre-production meeting. And I'm experiencing some sorrows in my life related to my beloved French Bulldog. And you had some disappointments in your life, maybe more contained. And it made us think about what are the sorrows and disappointments that people experience during change. And so that's what we're gonna talk about in this episode. So there was this article about this university that had gone through change. And while they were going through change, they noticed that the employees who were also friends, they'd worked together for a long time, suddenly motivation started going down, engagement started going down. And when they investigated this, they found that within this system, everyone was friends with each other and everyone worked with each other and everyone was going through the same change. So what was happening was that they were not offloading. They were loading sorrow onto each other. Mm. But they didn't have any, because they were friends, they didn't have any outlets or places where they could offload sorrow onto other people so that they could get back to work with energy or motivation. And I'm seeing this happening a lot in organizations. So I don't know if I saw that article, but I saw a similar one. And I've also looked at sort of the network effects of emotion that networks and what you're describing here is a social network overlaid on a work network. So there's a pretty tight set of bonds where there's a, almost an emotional contagion that an emotion can go through a network. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And we are not great at, we're not great with dealing with our own emotions, it seems. <laughs> that's maybe a bold statement. But sorrow, disappointments, these are taboo feelings for a lot of people. And they used to be, and to some extent still are for me, you know, been to therapy for 10 years now, I think. And so when we talk to people and we hear how, you know, maybe disappointed they are, scared they are, frustrated and angry they are, they load their stuff onto us. And then we go talk to someone else. And then we load that person on with our own stuff plus that person's stuff. And so now suddenly person three has, besides her own stuff, she has the baggage of two other people and goes to person four. And so we're not going to see companies change less. The patterns we have in organizations is that they change a lot. So why is this relevant and what do we do about this? I think it's completely expected for people to experience loss and sorrow and disappointment during a period of change right? It's not always wonderful and exciting. And even when you're going through something that seems like it will take you to a better place, there's still that possibility for loss and sorrow and disappointment. So I think acknowledging that is certainly a first step. And another thing is for people to learn how to be with their own emotions and not necessarily take on other people's emotions. You know, you can recognize them, you can be empathetic, but keep them separate. So one thing that I learned from you and therapy is I was observing teams and I would get stuck in like, hmm, what are some conclusions I could draw on this? And then you ask me, you know, so what are you observing about yourself in the moment? And so I started paying attention to like, what am I taking with me from this conversation or from this relationship with this person? Like, what energy am I taking with me? And is that my energy? Are those my feelings about the situation or not? 
And that helped me just visualize what was happening. It didn't help me deal with it, but it was a first step for me, learning how to recognize the emotions in me and in other people. I'm also thinking about, so I read the book, Your Brain at Work by Dr. David Rock. And he talks about these different tips that how you can soothe your brain. Because what happens when you experience this amount of loss and accumulation of sorrow and loss is that your brain goes into a threat mode, right? You don't feel safe. And when the brain starts feeling unsafe, you look for threats everywhere. So you start exponentially loading yourself and the organization. So it's really important to stop that. And one way is to put words on your feelings, but another is to put words on other feelings. You don't need to do it outspoken, but like, okay, so here I'm seeing someone who's sad. Just saying that for yourself is, according to the book and his research, helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think naming your own emotions and checking to see whether they're related to your actual situation, whether they are influenced by the context or whether you're taking on someone else's emotion is a useful thing to do. And to be aware that in that state of accumulated sorrows, you're likely to, in some ways, have a confirmation bias for more threat. And so we can't get away from our biases. We can counteract them to some extent. For me, given the political situation in my country, it would be really easy to fall into despair or rage. And I have made a really conscious choice to do what I can that I think will be useful, but also to continue to find joy. And that's been a really conscious choice for me. Did the paper you look at talk about that at all? The paper mostly described what was happening, and it didn't talk so much about how to contract that. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I think about is you mentioned that in the description of that university that people were professional colleagues, they had shared interests, they had friendships outside of work. So they were really tightly woven. And if everybody in your social system and your work system is going through the same thing, you don't have that outlet. So something that might allow you to offload some of it or get some perspective or get some additional coping skills or some coping ideas or whatever. So you're kind of in this self-reinforcing cycle. So one of the things I do is I look at what are the support systems? Who is in my life, or I lead other people to do this, you know, who is in your life where you can get support? And if your support is all within the system that is experiencing sorrow and loss, then sometimes it's really helpful to try to build an additional support system that isn't subject to that accumulation of sorrow. So two patterns that are happening is companies are hiring or making therapy accessible to employees. And while it's good, that's a way to vent, I think that's a result of this problem, this pattern that's happening. Sure. Sure. Another thing that's happening is also in intro days and leadership trainings, they try to bunch you together with people from other departments, preferably not just people who are in your org or in your team, so that you also form this new support network. Because at any given time, often not everyone in all organizations are affected by the same change. I don't think that this is a conscious thing and that we understand that these are related, but they do tackle it to some extent, but it's not enough. 
I think it's really a great idea to expand networks within the company because like you said, not every part of the company is experiencing the same change at the same time in the same way. So that could provide perspective. It could provide some support outside of where you are. I think it also, the idea of providing therapy, while it may be useful, I think it also says it's an individual problem. Which it's not. And it's a system problem. Yeah. But again, the rate of change in organizations is not going down. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think this is tricky. I think it's super tricky. And I think it's complicated by the fact that we have a legacy of telling people to leave their emotions at the door. Yeah. And we have a legacy of if you succumb to any sort of emotional distress, whether it is related to your personal life or related to your work life, it's viewed as a weakness. Yeah. You know, you should just buck up and get over it. We expect you to be at full efficiency. So I think we're also working against that. My perception of the Swedish work culture is that we have very much respect for emotions outside work. So, oh, you're having a hard time. Yeah, we understand. We understand that that's going to affect you. But we don't yet accept and understand that even small changes at work may cause big emotional ripples. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not professional if you let change affect your emotional status. So even though we can acknowledge it in one area, like if someone came into work and said, I had a fight with my daughter this morning, everyone would be like, oh, yeah, we totally get it. Like, is there anything you need? Can we help you in any way? But if you said, I had a really shitty meeting, people would just be like, suck it up. Or like, I'm not understanding my new role. They'd be like, well, go figure it out. It's time. You've been like this for two weeks now. What more information do you need? Yeah, like our brains are supposed to be completely different outside of work and inside of work. Yeah. But so as, as coaches, at least as coaches and consultants, like we need to really be aware of how we affect these emotional patterns. If you're seeing someone in distress or you're not even recognizing that distress, like, oops, cat. Oh, no. <laughs> then you're not going to be able to be effective. Yeah. So you need to understand how it affects the other people you're working with. But you also need to understand what you're taking on because you're going to be spreading it. You're a part of so many systems in a company. That in some ways goes back to what I've said for a long time is that one of the most valuable things you can do as a change artist to be calm, right? And just do as much as you can to remain centered, hold on to your center, be aware of what's happening for you, be calm, because that may communicate itself to other people as well. I don't think there's an easy answer to this one. I think it's a phenomena that we're seeing at many levels at this particular point in time. I mean, I think it's certainly going on for companies that are undergoing change, but I think it's going on at many different levels in our society. Yeah. And with the access to so much information about the world and what's happening in other countries, and because we globalized, like, oh, my friend is from this country and they have this stuff happening there. And so we just accumulate more and more emotional baggage. Sorrows. Sorrows and stresses and anxieties. Yeah. Emotional stress. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I started thinking about this isn't that I want to solve it. It's just that I'm noticing this more and more. And it's yeah. repeating in every client that I work with, often because I'm brought in to help a company transition from one state to another state or help them transition themselves. Yeah. And every client I've been in before the holidays and after the holidays, it's such a huge shift 
And that's because people have had access to other networks. Yeah. I think partially. So I don't think we can solve it, but I think there are things you can do in terms of both self-care and system care, which is like you mentioned, being aware of your own feelings and being clear about these are my feelings related to my situations. This is my empathetic response to someone who I'm with who is in pain, but it's not my pain. So being clear about self, being clear about what is yours, what is another person's, how much are you taking on, how much are you trying to fix. So I think that's helpful. And I think it's really helpful to look at what is your support network and make sure you have a base of support that is not only local to the system that's undergoing sorrow. And I think that's it for this episode. I know. Well, it's just a short episode. Shower thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. So we could talk about this forever, but this is kind of what the gist of it is. Yeah, that's the gist of it. I know I'm going to keep on thinking about this. Yeah, I'm going to think about it too and take care of myself so that I can be of use to others. So that's it for this time. Thanks a lot for listening in and we'll see you next time. Bye.